live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best stuff on the show. we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. It's a Wednesday, middle of the week. As the man said, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed Tyler and Jared. We're down to 53. The first bite. How long do you wait before you eat a Whataburger? Is that on the rundown? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Hold on. you got to give us a quick story on what happened on Hard Knocks and Jerry well, Jones. Yeah, that's it was like right at the end, and which I can't believe I wasn't asleep yet, because this is absolutely the most boring Hard Knocks in the history of Hard Knocks. It's horrible. I told you it would be. It's horrible. And this is ironic, given you at the end of each week, you're like, there's way too much football. Because Hard Knocks is about like their lives, you know. To me, it's more about their lives and hot air balloons and frozen feet and and horse rides and all you know crazy stuff. And they've just gone like ninety percent meetings and football. It's like okay, we get it. So at the end, though, first time he was on the entire show last night, he's been on it a lot more in previous episodes. Jerry Jones is sitting, I believe, in his Frisco facility where they have the um, indoor facility where high school games are played. And you know, I mean, the place is a campus; it's so big. So I think games are played there. He's sitting there talking to what it appears to be a very high-level person at Whataburger because if you look at if you look at the facility in Frisco, Whataburger, the signage is everywhere. So obviously they're a huge sponsor, and Jerry takes care of his sponsors. And I'm going to go back and look because for some reason I tape these things. But at the end, he's talking to this guy about the burgers and how much he loves Whataburgers, and he says – and he goes – he says to his driver, who obviously is kind of his gopher guy, how many times do I send you each week to get Whataburger? And the guy goes, oh, at least four. He goes, see, I love Whataburger. But then he, like, added, he goes, you know, what I like to do is leave it sitting for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm, I'm like – then I really like it. So then I'm thinking, I don't know if that dude who's talking to was the CEO, which he had to play along because it's Jerry. And obviously, you know, if you're going to be – if you're going to sponsor Jerry, you're going to be seen by millions and millions of people. But he must have been thinking, why are you having our burger sit so long? And, and then he goes, Jerry goes, I'll eat it then. I'm like, so my wife's like, what did he just say? Like, why would he have a burger sit around for that much long? Have it was you, very strange. Like, the have you one... ever, ever gotten fast food and yeah. thought, you know what would make this yeah. better? You know, yeah. If I let it cool yeah. down for an You know what you do with this double-double from in and out You put it in the car, you walk inside in the heat at 100 degrees. Then you come back about an hour and a half later, and it'll taste really good. I... The whole point of fast food is to eat it, like, in your car on your way to your next destination. Yeah. It was just... I'll go back and watch it. It's he he said convenient. He said sitting for an hour and a half, and he liked it that way. I'm like, I'll go back to verify, but I'm just like, what the hell does that mean? Why are you doing that? So that I have weird. not watched a second. Well, then you win. Hard knocks. You win. But what I have learned is that the most interesting part of this is Jerry Jones' yeah. fast food eating yes. habits. Yes. Because he also yes. was putting salt on a McGriddle. Yes. Which is like, yes. let me add some sodium with my sodium. Yes, exactly. He, I think... <laughs> Go ahead and guess for me. I'm going to say 77. How old is he? Uh, 74. Okay. Uh, his face is 15. Okay, he's 78. Oh. I mean, 
Good genes if you last that long eating this way. I, I mean, mean, all I've heard, all I've seen. The plastic is, surgery helps. I was going to say, the, the, you know, the bottle of salt he threw on the fast food. Now he's letting burgers sit around for an hour. <laughs> and I mean, this guy's, this guy's got it all in life, and he's, like, worth a trillion dollars. So it's like, I don't know. He, he was blessed in many ways, I guess. Maybe fast food is healthier Yeah, you let it sit exactly. for an hour and a half? Well, you'll love this because you're <laughs> such a dog person. Our friend Seat Williams, when I did a show for him, oh, he, had a sh- he had a Shih Tzu, and it lived to, like, 20, which is, like, a record, yeah. a record. They're 14 years at, you know, you're pushing it. But he used to, I, you know, we're talking about our Shih Tzus and everything, and Seat used to feed his dog. He, I go, you know, what kind of dog food do you use? What I eat. I go, what do you mean? He goes, what I eat, she eats. I'm like, <laughs> like, and I knew Seat ate real food. Seat, and I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, if I eat steak, she eats steak. If I eat chicken, she I'm like, you have found the fountain of youth for Shih Tzus who don't usually that last past 14 years. 20? Yeah. Yes, tw- he was on his 21st year, and the dog passed. It was a girl, um, Pepper, and she passed, but she ate nothing except what he ate. And I'm like, oh, I, my God. I've been told, as you probably have been, no human food. Yeah, I got to know what the vets were saying when Seat took that dog I don't think in. the dog <laughs> needed to go to the vet. <laughs> he lived till 20. She lived till 20 years eating real food. So what do you feed your dog? Well, I have in and out. Animal style yes, fries. That's what he said. His, his statement was, she eats what I eat. I'm like, dang, see? And then I went home and told my wife, she goes, we're not giving Ellie Mae T-bones. We're having lasagna tonight. You think I'm rolling that in her dish? Incredible. Oh, All right. right. On the Wait, Raiders. No, no. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> On, On the, the Raiders. Raiders. John Brown Press got box released yesterday. Transition. So I have a question for you, Ed. Do you mm. believe the Raiders have good wide receivers? I think they have potentially good wide receivers. I don't think you can say good yet because I don't think we know if Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are going to be as good as people thought. Potentially, yes, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they have really good wide receivers. The only wide receiver, are we considering Darren? We're not considering Darren Waller. No, just the wide receiver. Then position. I trust Hunter Renfro. <laughs> I, think he, I think Hunter Renfro has proven in two years he's really good. The top two receivers are essentially who people think are the top two receivers haven't done anything of note, so I will say potentially. The Raiders have one wide receiver on the team that has ever topped 700 receiving yards in a season in their career, Willie Sneed, and he did that in 2016, a very long time ago. Uh, Renfro did have 656 yards last year, so Renfro is coming off the most yards from last season of any of these receivers, but like... John Brown has had a thousand yard season. The last time John Brown played a full season was 2019. He had a thousand yards receiving last year. He played half the year and had 458. Like he was by far the most productive receiver the Raiders had on their roster. And they released him because they chose Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Willie Sneed, Hunter Renfro, and Zay Jones, Zay Jones. over him. Um, Does Zay Jones have like a picture of the offensive coordinator with a lampshade on his head? Like, I don't feel like Zay Jones well, has earned. At about 12.50 yesterday when we saw who they were, when Carl Joseph went, people thought that of Dallin Love, but he got cut too. Oh, yes. So it's like, it's like <laughs> if, this guy, if this guy goes to the 53, he's got pictures of someone. So you look at the receiver position, I think there's a real chance that it hurts the offense this year. Because last year, the Raiders had two good receiving threats, Darren Waller and Nelson Aguilar. And Aguilar came out of nowhere. Like that was a million dollar signing and he was good. I don't, if the Raiders don't get that this year, they have one good receiving target this year. Like if Henry Ruggs is not at least what Nelson Aguilar was or Brian Edwards, or it could be Zay Jones or whoever, but one of these guys has to be as good as Nelson Aguilar was last year. And 
None of them ever done that. John Brown had done that before, but none of them ever done that. So I, it, they took a big risk with their wide receiver position. Like they are really counting on Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards to be good. And I think the problem is you look at last year, Henry Ruggs had 26 catches for 452 yards. Brian Edwards had 11 for 193. Like they're going to be more productive this year because they're going to get way more targets because there are no other wide receivers ahead of them. But if those two combine and they both have, you know, 600 receiving yards this next year, that's not good. Like that's not going to be a good passing game. It's going to be Darren Waller. And then a bunch of guys you kind of don't want to throw to. So Joker, they are really counting on really counting on a Darren Waller being awesome. And then Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards playing much better than we've ever seen them play. Yeah, and nobody nobody knows it. And I, I saw a bunch of stuff yesterday, and that's fine. Most from fans, and fans are going to be themselves, and how these two are going to be great, Rugs and Edwards, based on like practice reports. Like they had, they had those two had two one legitimate week where they went against the Rams. I don't really remember what either did, but they didn't play in games. So what are you basing it on? Literally plat- practice reports. You can't base it on last year. They didn't do anything. Right. Well, so last year in practice. Brian Edwards. I mean, he, forget him. I'm just even, you know, Ruggs is the main guy there because he had some stats, but not near what people expected. So I don't know how people are saying. I do know because they're fans, but I, you know, I'm going to be the non-fan and say there's nothing to go on to to definitively say they're both or one of them is even going to be good. Now, yeah. they mo- they both might be good. But you can't sit here today after cutting to 53 and say that. Brian Edwards last year in preseason was getting hype about being a big-bodied red right. zone target. And right. it was, this guy's going to change the way the Raiders operate in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And then we never saw him on the field. I think he caught one pass in the red zone last season. Like, they, the same hype happened last year. And it we we didn't see it actually take place on the field. There was nothing good on the field that happened for Brian Edwards. And then similar for Henry Ruggs. He had a few good plays or good games, but... For the top, for a first round pick, for the top wide receiver taken, like you need a lot more than two or three good games. Yeah, when one play stands out about an entire from an entire season, then you didn't do much, and And you exactly said what the play was, and it was against the Jets, and it was a Jets massive failure, not necessarily whoa, massive success. Uh, I mean, they won a game later and blew the first pick. So I know there were others. They're just skipping my mind. Do you remember many others? No, he was good in the very first game against Carolina. He okay. had the first half. He, he had did two yes. or three catches, yes. and then I think he hurt his ankle in that stopped, game. But we're talking like on one hand. Yes, but that you can it. really say, "Oh, yeah. that was a great, that was a great game." Yeah, that's it. Is Carolina yeah. and New York, and, and that's pretty much the two the two that's games you look at. Not good when you're yeah. the first receiver taken right. in a class of one of the greatest receiving classes. Yeah, when Justin Jefferson had what 1,400 receiving yeah. yards last year. So, like that, that's the thing. If Henry Ruggs again, he was in the same class as Justin Jefferson. If he has 1,400 yards. Oh, he's terrific. The Raiders passing game is fine. Yeah. Because you've got Waller and a receiver who's at 1,400 yards. The problem is, is he didn't crack 500 last year. And you have Waller. So expecting him to get to 1,400 is foolish. Yes. Expecting him to get to 1,000 is probably overshooting what Henry Ruggs is going to do this year. Got to be honest with you, shameless plug, the Review Journal uh, Raiders preview section next week. But we do these things where we do over-unders. We do with the Golden Knights. I want to say the number. I went under on him, and I, I someone else set the numbers, but the number was in, I think, the 800s. Yeah. But I thought, how can I say this guy's going to double his yards? <laughs> I just I had to go under him. Like, he might. He might have 1,000 yards. But I looked at that number. I'm like, that's a lot more yards. And, you know, you know, Waller's going to get his targets, and other people are going to get his targets. Let, let's say Brian Edwards is halfway decent. Well, he's going to steal some targets or whatever. But I'm like, doubling his yards. I'm like, I can't, I can't say that right now. How so would you know? You look at the Raiders' offense. 
the wide receivers is it's an unknown. It's a huge unknown how good these wide receivers are. And they blew up the offensive line and three fifths of that offensive line you can consider is also an unknown. So the strength yes. of the team last year was the offense. It was roughly the ninth to 12th best offense right. in football, depending on whatever stat or metric you look at ninth to 12th best offensive line is completely different and unknown wide receivers are unknown. There's a chance they take a step back on offense. And even if Gus Bradley comes in and makes the defense better, if the offense is all of a sudden the 15th best offense in football, what are we looking at? Well, then the defense better be top 20. Right. And, and even then, if you're 15th right. on offense and 19th on defense, Try eight, you're, nine. yeah. So I, I, it's a, it's a huge question. Like they really, really need Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards to be good. And they really need the Alex Leatherwood, Andre James, Denzel good side of the offensive line to be good. Mm -hmm. And if, if either one of them doesn't match what John Gruden and Mike Mayock think the offense got a really, a real shot to take a step back. And that is going to doom any playoff chances mm -hmm. they have. Based on Derek Carr's yards per game last year, which yards per game is not a great stat, but basically for him to crack a thousand yards, he would have to be one fifth of all of Derek yeah. Carr's completions, yeah. which is possible. I mean, Nelson Aguilar yeah. had 900 something yards last year. So like it's possible, but again, he didn't crack 500 last year and he's going to get more targets because they didn't get more targets in to Whoa, be better than you him. keep saying that and keep, keep forgetting about the Joker. <sighs> the Joker might get all the targets, but the it's Joker just... hasn't been talked about much, which is weird. Well, he hasn't played. Well, that's why. He, no, he, I know. But a, I mean, dude, he's but a when Joker. everyone, you whenever... got to bring him out whenever people <laughs> least expect it. I mean, when everyone, yeah, that's true. But when everyone starts breaking down everything, he doesn't get taught. I mean, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of action, but it's like, we haven't heard about him much during practices or the Rams week or anything. It was kind of everyone else. I think what we're going to see. Darren Waller is going to be the undisputed number oh, yes. one target. He's going to lead the team in targets, catches, yeah. yards, and it's not going to be particularly close. Yeah. And then I think we're going to see a pretty even split between Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Kenyon Drake, uh, Brian, Edwards. Brian Edwards. All those guys are going to have between like 400 and 600 yards. It's going to kind of be like, well, can we piece together four or five decent targets for Derek Carr to throw to behind Darren Waller? Maybe that works, but at the end of the day, if Henry Ruggs isn't good enough, I think the passing game is really going to take a step back from where it was last year because you don't have the Nelson Aguilar type guy that mm -hmm. they had last year. Not, like they not need, that we know of. Yeah, they need that second option to be really good, and it's it might happen, but it's a huge question mark right now for this passing game. Coming up next, UNLV football is almost here. The reason we all came here as coaches, we saw commitment that the city made, we saw commitment the school made. Um, together. I mean, this is it. I mean, if you, you wanted to put things together in infrastructure and infrastructure and try to build a, a college football program that's right across the street and a $2 billion stadium with a, with a new facility and a brand new set of coaches and, and some new culture, I mean, come out and support that and grow that and let that, uh, let that be part of what we do and, and move in the narrative uh, in the right direction. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. UNLV football almost here the season kicks off tomorrow you can hear the game against Eastern Washington right here on ESPN Las Vegas pregame show starting at six o'clock with Chris Chapman and Q and that'll lead you right into uh, kickoff at Allegiant Stadium between UNLV and Eastern Washington now Marcus Arroyo has not named his starting quarterback as of Monday Marcus Arroyo had not even told the players on the team who the starting quarterback was going to be. They've put out a depth chart. 
Justin Rogers and Doug Brumfield are both listed as co-starters on the depth chart. Marcus Arroyo was hoping as again, as of Monday that somebody would win the job this week. Uh, but again, as we, as he talked to the media on Monday, he said he had not told either Brumfield or Rogers, which one was going to be the starter. How many quarterbacks do you think play tomorrow for UNLV? Now that I finally see a number on Vegas insider, I Ooh, might... what is it? Rebels minus 11. 11. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm still going to say two. I think they both play. But as you and I were talking yesterday off the air, I think like any coach, he would prefer just one. I don't know why he wouldn't get it. Right. Um, I think we're going to see a situation where Brumfield starts. Mm -hmm. I agree that he starts. And if Brumfield's good, mm -hmm. Brumfield plays until it's a, you know, a yeah. blowout or whatever. I mean, if the minus 11 holds up and even more, you just keep the yeah. guy in the game. Yeah. And then, hey, you're up by 28 in the fourth. Other people are going to play at every position. If Brumfield has a couple three and outs, then you're going to see multiple quarterbacks. So it's it's fascinating to me that, at least from what Arroyo said to the media on Monday, that this was not simply Arroyo sort of posturing with the media. This was not just him not no, wanting I to give away so. his quarterback. Yeah. He legitimately did not have a starting quarterback on Monday. And now it's Wednesday. It may have changed by then. I don't know how much practice they're actually getting in these last two days to make that decision. But he genuinely did not know who his best option was at quarterback on Monday. Do you, do you think that? That he had no clue in his mind who he would start? I mean, he probably know. knows who he would start, but no, so, he doesn't. So, he doesn't. He's not confident that one of them's better than the other. Oh, no. Otherwise, he would have named him the starter or at least told them. Right. Right. It's one thing to name them the starter publicly to us, right? That's just. There's no real need for that. There's no reason to do but that. But you do need to tell the actual yeah. players. And on Monday, he had not told them. So in either in his mind, he's going to surprise them the day of the game for some reason and say, here's the starter. Or he genuinely has not decided, hey, one of these guys is significantly better than the other. I mean, I've always been of the definitely of the opinion that he doesn't and in most cases shouldn't tell the media who the starter is. I don't unless it's unless, you know. The press. We know, you know, we know Spencer Rattler's probably getting the first snap at Oklahoma. So unless it's unless it's uh, an obvious thing, and you're playing a game, and you need to win this game, you got to win this game. You cannot lose to Eastern Washington, given what happened the 0-6 fall season, and given who you're about to play the next few weeks. I, I mean, he should just tell the kids, and we'll find out when the game starts. I it, it people, oh, this is so silly because Eastern Washington. Why would you tell Eastern Washington? I, I don't know why you would do that. Again, this is not Bam and Clemson. He needs to win this game. I'd keep it a secret as long as until someone trots out and is the quarterback. I wouldn't tell anyone. And I don't know. I mean, they'll have film on it. But like we talked to Coach Best yesterday. I mean, it's a long time. It was the it was the spring weird season. I don't know how much they can really evaluate. I'm sure they can evaluate some. But this is a much different UNLV team. Much like he said, is a much different Eastern Washington team. And you had. 21 and 22 passes from Brumfield and Rogers. Right. What do you, you can't really evaluate There's, that. That's not, not even a full game. No. Like That's not a lot of passes to actually figure out no. what those quarterbacks are. At the end of the day, as far as like competitive advantage goes, I don't think it matters like which one Maybe plays. Not. Like I don't think. Oh, you mean who plays, not what he says? Well, no, no. I, I don't think from a like the opponent. I don't think the I don't think either one matters to the opponent. Like we talked to Aaron Best yesterday and he said, it's not like their entire game plan is uh, going to change. It's not like right. one of them is a pure pocket passer and one of them is a wildcat right. quarterback. He's like, yeah, there, there might be differences, but they're going to do the same general thing. So I, I don't think from a game planning standpoint, there's that much benefit 
to UNLV not telling anybody who their starting quarterback is, but there's no real need for him. No I think to. it's more interesting. When does he, when has, when he, has he told the when kids? Hasn't he told yes. the players? Yeah. Because yeah. that's much more important. Like if he's waiting until Thursday to tell Rogers or Brumfield who's starting, that seems like a mistake. I might, don't think he would do that. I think you would tell at least the kid who's starting to be prepared and to have it in your mind that you're going to start. And this is how we're scripting the first drive. And this is what we're doing. I would think those kids know by now the game's tomorrow, yeah. uh, but I don't know when they were told, but they have to know who's starting. Yeah. And I'm sure he told them both. You're both going to probably play. They didn't know Monday after practice. Maybe they knew later Monday. Maybe they knew Tuesday after practice, or maybe they find out today, or maybe it's tomorrow. But maybe Arroyo couldn't tell them because he leaves his Whataburger for an hour and a half oh up, at the, up at the facility, <laughs> and he had to have something to eat before he told he and Jerry Jones. He leaves his Whataburger <laughs> for an hour and a half. Guys, it's been out there an hour and a half. I have my burger, then I'm going to come back and tell you who's starting on Thursday against Eastern Washington. <laughs> We're going to keep going back to that because that is because that is completely preposterous what my, Jerry Jones does. And my thoughts are, where's he getting water for? <laughs> well, head coach, in, head coach of UNLV, man, that stuff's flowing. Get in. it flown in. So still don't know who the quarterback is. I don't know the helicopter. Here's you the surprised at the line? Eleven's a big number. Yes. If 11, you're telling me UNLV is an 11 point favorite against Eastern Washington. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing minus 11. That's a big number. That's... That is a really big number for UNLV. I am surprised that it's minus 11 just because again, they went 0 six last year. They were not competitive in any of their games. No, they're outscored on average 38, 17 and Eastern Washington is a good, good. FCS program. Yeah. So I am, I'm shocked. It's 11 points. I we've talked about it before. I, Think UNLV wins the game? I, do I expect them I expect to win them the to game. Win. Yeah, but yeah, an eleven-point favorite against Eastern Washington. Yeah, that's a big number. That's a really big number for a team that you a they haven't proven anything, and b we don't know anything about them really. Like which one? Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> both of them. Yeah. But like UNLV, we don't. I mean, if we do know anything about them, it's that they went zero six last year and lost every game right. by double digits. And that's not a way to you don't put make that team an eleven point favorite against anybody. So yeah, eleven's a big number. I would not bet UNLV minus eleven. You would pound the money line. I would on the other absolutely. side. That's the bet to make. That's don't the bet to, to make. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the other side's not going to get you much, but. 11-point dog on the money line to get probably make you a little money. All right, coming up next, Case Kiefer joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. You know, we were definitely talking about that on the sideline. We'll have our hands uh, full, certainly, with Lamar and the Ravens. And, um, again, we'll deal with that when we have to deal with it. But right now, uh, just again, very proud of our guys. They worked hard, you know. And a lot of these guys put forth tremendous effort, and that's all you can ask for. And we're going to try to keep the best fifty-three guys. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Good morning, Case. Case Keeper with us from the Las Vegas Sun. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Happy to uh, be with you guys another morning. Case. Um... You are an outstanding, accomplished, revered high school football player. Right now, in the condition you're in, the age you're at, would you not dominate for Bishop Sycamore? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's no question. I, I, could play, I could play anywhere on the field. I, uh, if only they were locally based, I'd probably be calling for a tryout or at least a story where I could uh, run through a workout routine. I mean, they might be playing Liberty. You might be able to play one game for them. 
<laughs> that's true. Well, hey, I'll take what I can get at this point. And if that doesn't work out, maybe I'll have the Nighthawks as a backup. <laughs> All right. I do have an important question for you. You tweeted a couple days ago, Shaq has just been hanging out the gym I go to. What is Shaq actually doing at this gym? Uh, kind of half-heartedly working out, but uh, understanding that every two seconds someone's going to come up to him for a photo or, you know, to talk to him or, or whatever. And he's, uh, I mean, he, he, he loves it. He seems like a great guy, uh, but um, <laughs> that, that's basically it. I mean, he, he does a couple of sets and then uh, takes five pictures and walks around and smiles for a while. But not exactly the most uh, <laughs> high-intensity cardio workouts there. So is he going to this gym just so that people will recognize him and take pictures with him? <sighs> you know, I, I can't, I can't speak for his exact motivations. It certainly seems like that. Cause I think, I feel like if you're Shaq, you know, you can't just go to a, a public gym and really, uh, you know, <laughs> grind on the iron, so to speak. But, um, it, it seems like it might be part part to be seen, but then again, I mean, he's showing up alone. It's not like he has a big, uh, entourage or anything. Um, and it was only, it was only a couple days. Uh, I haven't seen him the last few days, but, but I'll, uh, dutifully report back if I have any updates on the situation. So this corporate gym, obviously, I, you don't have to name which one it is. I think that's very strange that that's where he's working right. out. It I is. think that that's the, that they'll be very, very weird of what he's doing. You'd think Shaq yeah, I mean, could get a set of weights if he wanted it. Wait, wait, wait. Does he play like pickup basketball? No, if he played pickup basketball, speaking of me uh, having some misconceptions about my uh, my sports prowess, I would be in the game 100%. I mean, my, that was the only reason my eyes are on him. I was waiting for that walk to the basketball court because I, I wanted to get in that game. Uh, I don't Take know, a charge! To up. I think he has some show coming up or, or some, some kind of charity thing with MGM. Maybe he's trying to uh, drum up some grassroots support for that. I really don't know. Wait, Jared brings up a good point. You're playing Shaq. He's got the ball about 15 feet from the basket. Are you taking a charge? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good story. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> also, headline: the second part of and your tweet <laughs> was about the last NBA player that was at your gym was Lamar Odom. What did Lamar Odom do when he was at this gym? Uh, I would say he did even less working out. It seemed like he was really just there to be seen. However, he wasn't very approachable. He would have a whole bunch of people with him and just kind of be uh, – you know, sitting around. He spent a lot of time at the pool, actually. It was the summer, so, you know, he'd, he'd have a drink at the pool, uh, lay around. Um, it didn't seem as friendly as, as Shaq, but uh, it seems, seems like things are going better for him now. So I, I, was, I was trying to word that so it didn't sound like I was taking a shot at Lamar, <laughs> but uh, he, that, that is just the fact that he was the last guy I used to see around there a lot. You better check your uh, credit card statement. If I own that gym, the dues are going up by like a hundred bucks a month. If I can say, "Hey, Shaq and Lamar are here," I mean, I'd I'd be there like every day, like just people taking pictures. I'd I'd jam those uh, dues up. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, they might be doing that. Luckily, it's right across the street from my house, so I am a founding member, and I think my dues are locked in. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. All right, on the Raiders, how surprised are you that John Brown is gone? And do you think they actually have good wide receivers on this team? Uh, I, I'm relatively surprised, a little bit less so after the last preseason game. Of course, when we saw him play, I still thought with his, uh, you know, with the deal they signed him to this offseason that he'd still be around. And what I still really thought is that they'd keep six receivers. So I guess the surprise to me isn't that so much that he's gone, it's that he's gone and they didn't keep anyone else. Now, I know their roster's not set. There's still some other moves to be made, so maybe they'll get to uh, six anyway. But, um, you know, the guy just didn't do a whole lot in training camp. He never really noticed him do anything, uh, was hurt a little bit. 
and, uh, you know, kind of topped that off with not being all that great in the preseason. So not, not completely shocking other than the money aspect and how many uh, receivers they wind up with going into the season. So are you a believer in Henry Ruggs or, or Brian Edwards, or is it, you know what, it's time will tell. I mean, have you seen, you've been out at all the practices. I mean, I know it doesn't mean much, but are you a bigger believer than you thought you would be, or you're kind of pausing right now on him, on them? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in between. I do think there is a way that both of them uh, take a step forward. I also think it's maybe a little bit less important than people make it out to be just because of how dominant Darren Waller could be. And I think how well he's set up for another huge year. Um, I do think Edwards does some, some great things, but uh, you know, when, when I see, you know, I, I know it's like a meme now, but everyone's talking about his superstar potential. Now he's going to look like all these other guys. I think that's going on a, a little too far. I mean, I think his ceiling is a really strong possession receiver that makes some crazy uh, catches. I don't think he's a guy that's really going to get a ton of separation and be making these huge highlight plays, which maybe rugs could be. I still think he has some way to go in the route running, but if both of them just take moderate step uh, forward, having Darren Waller on the roster. I think that's enough. So Brian Edwards, you have him as Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. What's your comp there? You, you got, you got hesitant to make one, but you can give us one. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think it, 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 it's early in the morning. I, I, I'm trying to think of, uh, <laughs> of someone more reasonable and I'm coming up short, but yeah, I, I, I would pump the brakes a little bit on the, uh, Randy Moss and, and Terrell Owens for right now. True or false. Henry Ruggs is the next Jerry Rice. Uh, slightly false. Slightly. <laughs> I, I think I think that's also probably a safe uh, thing to say that, that he doesn't reach that level. Well, I mean, we had people on television comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady the other day, so you never know what's going to happen. Uh, more surprised that they uh, waived uh, Carl Joseph or that they uh, down Levitt is not on the team anymore. <laughs> um, pr- probably Carl Joseph, uh, <laughs> but maybe I mean maybe it's maybe it's a combination of both, just because. Uh, if there was one really big surprise to me, I just I, I had no idea about Roderick Teamer. Like you said, I've been out at not all the practices, but most of the practices. And I mean, I feel like you watch this team enough. You you know you make notes of some guys that you know are probably never even going to make the team. I mean, I, I can remember thinking like, oh, there was a nice play by uh, Asmar Bilal or Vidri Ray Wilson. And I never once, I guess, good or bad, so it could be in between. Was I like, oh, it took note of Roderick Teamer? So that was like a just just a shocking one to me. Maybe it shouldn't have been, but. Um, you know, once Carl Joseph was playing in the final preseason game, I thought, well, maybe we are going into another year with, with Dallin Levitt. Uh, but it, t- it turned out to be Roderick Teamer, I guess. Are you surprised that if you look at the safety position, you have Jonathan Abram, who was not good last year, and a rookie as the starters, and there's not really – they had a potential with Carl Joseph, but there's not a backup that actually has experience playing that position in the NFL? Yeah, that, that is really uh, surprising. I think that, that's probably why I thought Carl Joseph would be safe, just to have that one uh, veteran presence, one guy that you think uh, you can count on and you know can at least give you some, some decent snaps. But maybe, uh, I mean, I, I'm not as good at evaluating these guys. Maybe Carl Joseph just wasn't at that level anymore. Maybe he was a, you know, a, a far mediocre uh, player at this point of his career. It seems hard for me to believe, but... Uh, it's quite possible. It does seem like there's a couple spots where uh, Gus Bradley took a leap of faith in some guys, and I think uh, safety's chief among them. How big of a uh, – how important is it? Uh, Tyler talked about this in the open. Everyone talks about the wide receivers, but that one side of the offensive line, if they fail, that team might fail. Yeah, and no, the offensive line, what really concerns me, I actually thought a lot of the offensive line talk going into the season was overblown about how they blew it up and Derek Carr is going to be running for his life. I mean, you look at the unit they had last year. It was just such a makeshift week to week. It was, you know, they never had that full 
uh, complement of players. But what, what concerns me this year is that if you have the injuries like you did last year, I just I don't know if they have the depth to endure that. I think if the, the, the five guys stay healthy, um, they'll be okay. And they have a couple backups that I think are uh, you know going to at least be serviceable. But if you get down to like the bottom of the roster like they did last year, I just that, that seems like that's going to be a really uh, tough thing to recover from. So depth, I think, is my biggest concern on, on this line. Case Keeper from the Las Vegas Sun with us. Uh, I got another tweet to ask you about. Were you actually working when you were at Top Golf with Fox Five? <laughs> hey, hey, that, I, I, I assume so. They, uh, <laughs> I, I was on the clock as far as I know, so it was nice. Uh, it, it, it was nice. It was nice to hear it so uh, quiet in the, in the morning, and uh, yeah, it was a fun way to start yesterday. Who who booked a hey let's do well? I, it was a fantasy football and sports gambling segment. Who was the genius that said hey let's do this segment, but let's do it at Top Golf? I, I think that was actually through some PR company. So I'm okay. sorry. This is another one where I don't have all the facts. <laughs> uh, I was just offered, and uh, uh, I, 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 I had to say yes to that one. It was a little bit strange that early in the morning, smelling all the food they were putting in front of us, but. Uh, it, it was a good time. I'll tell you what. Uh, again, look at your statement because they probably thought the round of golf there at Top Golf was enough of a payment. So if you're thinking you're getting a talent fee and they're sending you cash, they're going to say, "No, okay, we allowed you to hit a few balls. That's it. We're good." Yeah, uh, absolutely. And in the, the the chairman suite, even they tra- they they uh, really went above and beyond to make us feel uh, <laughs> to feel important. All right, Case. Which of your coworkers is weirder? Mike Ramallah because he won't eat anything or Justin Emerson because he's obsessed with pumpkin spice lattes? Uh, this is this is the best question of the bunch. Um, <laughs> well, as, as, as you may know, I'm just as picky as Ramallah. You so are? No, 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 no. Stop, no. stop. Hold no. on, hold on. Just don't answer the question. You cannot be as picky no. as Ramallah. You have a family. The, the wife's making these things with the, with the weird no mayonnaise and stuff. She'll probably throw you out. Well, I will say I've told this a million times, but probably not on you guys' show. Kramala uh, and I were actually both interviewed for a picky eater story that I think Vice <laughs> ran a few years back. Vice? And the, the, the editor said I was not picky enough, but Gramala had a prominent role in the story. So I guess I'm not quite that picky. <laughs> what? So you were like nine graphs in, two-sentence two quote where Gramala was the lead and the end. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't in at all, actually. The, the editor told... Uh, writer who i knew used to work with years back like this guy is not picky enough so now whenever whenever anyone gives me any grief about how picky i am i just point out that my uh my co-worker was in the story and i was not have you ever eaten ranch <laughs> yeah, yes okay oh, well that's okay. over grimala's more picky <laughs> just to let <laughs> you know winner. one time doing a podcast with grimala i brought him ranch to eat with like a baby carrot and he started sweating because he was so <laughs> nervous about the ranch I like when uh, on your station they fed him tacos, and he he didn't like it because of the loose meat. That's my personal favorite. Well, he is Case Kiefer from the Las Vegas Sun. Case, we appreciate your time Thanks, this morning. Thanks, Case. I appreciate it. Oh, no chance. Kid's got a family. If I told my wife, no condiments, no mayonnaise, no anything, we're going to piggy, I'd be out. I'd be out in like two seconds. She'd pack the bag. She goes, "Hey, we we got to get through this. Eat everything." Make me a salad, but just lettuce yes. and croutons. <laughs> and croutons. No dressing. Oh, there's no way. I mean, there's. I, I've never in my life, I don't know about you, children included, because children can be very picky. I've never come close to someone like Ramallah. I have got to find this story I'm, in I'm Vice. I'm on Vice right now, and I'm looking for it. Okay, I couldn't find one from Vice, but I found one from 
thetakeout.com that like features a... Mike Grimawa. Whoa! <laughs> How many times has this kid been featured about food and stories? I mean, he's next level. Like That's true. He's the Michael Jordan of not eating stuff. Yeah, he's pretty great at it. Sports writer Mike Grimala's diet is less restrictive, including a handful of fruits, vegetables, and proteins. But the list of things he's never tasted is long and varied. Peaches, pineapple, Chinese and Mexican food, lettuce, broccoli, mustard, mayonnaise, jelly. It's not that he doesn't recognize them as valid edible options. <laughs> For the 34-year-old, every aspect He's of the food 34? experience, whether it be the smell, texture, taste, or sight, is heightened, and that leads him to be easily turned off. Wow. <laughs> I See, the biggest shocker to me there was that I'm younger than Mike Romala. Coming up next, Bishop Sycamore fired their head uh, coach. The bishop. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Now here's Bias. Sure, it did not come as a complete shock to Javi Baez to be greeted that way. We're back to the press box with Grainy and Bischoff. You're sitting in the press box with Grainy and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Grainy and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, we'll get to Bishop Sycamore later because in this story at thetakeout.com about Mike Ramallah being a picky eater, I have a quote for you. Two years ago, I tried a blueberry muffin. I had never had a blueberry. I'm out. Or a muffin. Oh, my God, I'm out. (laughs) Grimala said? Yeah, that was was a quote from Grimala. The story continued. Eventually, he warmed to it, but that took months of conditioning. Because they had to warm up the muffin. There's a... (laughs) He had to wait an hour and a half. It Uh, takes Mike longer to get ready to eat a blueberry muffin than it does somebody to train for like a marathon. (laughs) How do you think they found out? Maybe the podcast and the show. How would you find out he's like this? I don't know. Maybe it's a, I, they, maybe a friend of the friend or said, something. Yeah, I don't you, know. You got to interview this guy. Yeah. He's out of his yeah, mind. <laughs> it's a group text. It's like, yeah, I got to write some stupid piece on picky eaters. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. I, I got, got a guy. guy. Yeah. He sweats when there's ranch <laughs> in the same room as him. <laughs> and the thing about it is when people hear him on the show and elsewhere, like it's a 100% true. Like it's, it's not, not it's not no. fake. It's one hundred percent sure he was true. He was sweating at the thought of taking a bite of ranch on a baby carrot. How do you sweating? How do you like his body was having a reaction to the Did thought he end up taking of ranch? It? Yeah, he took a bite of it and ate it. And what did he say? It's not as bad as he thought it was gonna be, but he still wouldn't eat it again. My goodness. <laughs> All right, Ed, you've been on dates before. <laughs> How, how would you, like, if you were on a date and you literally, the person across from you is like, shit, like, can't order anything except something off the children's menu. Can I get chicken fingers plain? Be happy she wouldn't cost me as much. The bill would be like $8.40. Body has, like, pavlovianly conditioned Yes, exactly. I mean, like, she's conditioned me for how much does it cost and how much am I out? Now, unrelated to that, we also have Papa Lou on Twitter. Letting yeah. us know that Jewel, who I have forgotten, I know I did not know who Jewel was and was told I should know who Jewel is, 
uh, but I have forgotten who Jewel is. He tells us that she has sung the national anthem at the Super Bowl and at the World Series. Okay. So now we're more worried that Papa is still talking about something that happened a month ago and that we've had many shows since then. I think you guys both have had vacations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> who was Jewel again? Uh, a, Charlie Whitehurst. Uh, clip. Clipboard Jesus's girlfriend. And not, yeah, an artist. Went out with uh, the rodeo cowboy for many years. Uh, Might have been married to him. I know she was with him for a long time. Um, I remember asking my girlfriend if she knew who Jewel was. She had to. She knew who Jewel was. Yes, of course. She because did, she's normal. She did not human know. Being. She did not know who Spicoli, whatever that guy's name was. Spicoli. She didn't know Spicoli. She didn't Spicoli. know Jeff Spicoli. She did not know. Is Spicoli. she your age? Yeah, she's my age. Uh, so she did not. That doesn't matter. Those did kids. not know a character from. Um, no, that's just Fast bad. Times of Ridgemont High. That movie. That's bad parenting. But she did know Jewel, and she said I should know who Jewel is. So. Fast right. Times at Ridgemont High, though, I will say I had an advantage there because one of the main characters was based on someone I went to college with and was worked at the newspaper in college with. He was one of the main characters on that show. And he, it was such a bad character in terms of he came off as such a dork. He would, he was, he hid it until we found out, and then we never saw him by the paper again. <laughs> he literally left because the next day, no, like he, 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 he played, he played the, the the dorky kid who fell in love with her at the movie theater. Uh, rat, 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 and just, we oh found out we're like, dude, you're rat. You went to Claremont High. I never saw the guy again. <laughs>